Rocket, Tuesday night, back in Adelaide and back on the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you, Roscoe. Very good, thank you, indeed. Bit of a love affair with Adelaide, like the place, just uh, can't wait to get back there every Monday night. Oh, it's a pretty good place. There's a place here that has probably one of the best burgers in all of Australia, and then I get to come here for work fairly regularly, so that's all right. It's all good. Are you keeping the information uh, secure for all of the people of the country? (laughs) I'm just protecting the world one day at a time. Mate, the amount of activity for your good self online, you you must have some fairly rigid security processes in place because uh, you are very active on the Twitters, so um, I'm expecting a lot of information from you tonight because if anyone's tweeted about the US PGA that just finished last weekend, you would have read it or commented on it or retweeted it or all of the above. So, um, mate, without further ado, let's just get straight into having a little bit of a discussion around the US PGA what's otherwise be known as the Brooks Kepka Show. And uh, we'll see what ta- where it takes us after, after that and what else we talk about. But a uh, little bit of a review. So, what did we think? Well, your pick, our boy, Big Brooksy, um, he's, uh, he's gone back-to-back in his second back-to-back bunch of majors um, just, just a sensational effort from himself, and you know we'll, we'll probably sort of dissect a little bit more of it. But if it wasn't for you know him essentially you know losing, you know dropping oil um, on the uh, on the final round, and I think I think he dropped the back diff at about the 14th hole, and then because of his uh, work with Joey D down there in Jupiter, he's uh, lifted his own car up onto his shoulders and carried himself over the line um, to uh, a two-shot victory, which I thought was going to be a 10-shot victory the way he was playing um, earlier in the week um, over uh, the other man from down at Joey D's factory, um, Dustin Johnson. So it was... Yes. Oh, there's so much to talk about just on Dustin, not just, not Dustin, on um, Brooks Kepka and what this actually means. You know, I almost, almost don't even know where to start. You know, we're, we're, whether or not we just talk about just his first round and I think about, you know, he's teed off early on on Thursday morning over there, Friday morning for us. And you think about those players that are coming out in the middle of the day or playing late in the afternoon, and they look up. They've played that course, and they realise how long it is, how hot, how thick the rough is, how long the course is playing because it's been raining, and they look up on the leaderboard, and it's defending champion Brooks Kepka with course record 63-7 under. Like, if that is not a biggest punch in the guts that any player standing on the first tee would get... I don't know what is. I reckon he mentally disintegrated the field just with his first round. Like he's taken him out. <laughs> it was just an amazing effort. And then on top of that, he backs it up with a second round 65 and just to completely stretch his lead to seven shots. And, you know, it looked like he was going to just rip this thing apart. Um sort of still continued on to the weekend. And, you know, he had massive problems on the Sunday, but there were heaps of people that had massive problems. But he dug deep and ended up winning. Like, what, what can the man do wrong? He drives it a million miles. He's actually probably one of the straightest drivers that hits it that long going around. He's amazing with his irons. Uh, I think Tiger Woods, Justin Rose, and a few others are probably you would say would be better with their with their irons. His wedge game is rock solid. His his putting and short game around the green is top notch. And then he has the focus and the mentality to get the job done on the biggest stage. Like 
he just has the full package. So let's talk about that for a second because whenever we've talked about tournaments on the Roscoe and Rocket segment of the My Love of Golf podcast, you and Jess sort of refer to him, oh, Brooks Kepka won't win this week because it's not a major, so he's not going to bother turning up. So he, he cops a bit of a, you know, whether it's a backhanded sort of man crush whack, but he gets mentioned in that regards when it's not a major, but as soon as it's a major, you know, your Brooks love, you know, is very apparent. So why yeah. is it that you espouse that when it is not a major that he's not going to turn up in there, well, not going to turn up and win? Why is that so, do you believe? He's actually spoken about it. So there's these um, guys over in the US, Barstool Sports, and they're massive fans. And it's funny, one of them one of them was in the crowd when Brooks has hit it left on, I think it was fifth, oh, I can't remember which hole it was. And they, had the, they were trying to part the seas of the crowd. One of the guys that was um, one of the hosts of that podcast he was on was actually in the background. So I noticed that very quickly. Um, but on this specific podcast, they asked him about um, why is it that he's got three majors, but he's only got two tour events. And he said a couple of things that are quite telling. You know, first of all, he said he, and he said this even during the, the press conference earlier in the week, he said he thinks his focus goes up tenfold, uh, you know, compared to a tour event. And he even said, look, oh, you know, I'm trying to raise it for the other ones, but I know that it's a major, it's a really important event. So my focus just goes to a different level. But then the really telling bit, and this is, this goes to this sort of, digs a little bit at the heart of who Brooks Kepka is. And these guys on this podcast actually probed him a bit further and said, why is that? And he goes, well, if you're to judge a player's legacy, um, you're judged by your majors. He said, so if, if you're talked about, everyone talks about the amount of majors you win. Said no one could recount how many PGA Tour wins you've had. He said, so your legacy is based on your majors. He said, so that's why I focus on the majors because that's what my, I want my legacy to be about. And fair enough, I so, guess. Uh, but but surely these guys are all about accumulating massive amounts of wins and massive amounts of wealth in in the uh, the process. So. Wouldn't you be trying to win and dominate all the time? Like, I, I, I get it, but I, I'm just not fully on board with, uh, you know, the fact that I'll turn up for the majors and I'll just turn up, so to speak, for the other events. And, and if I win, I win. If I don't, I don't. But clearly, you know, he hasn't. I just don't understand it. Oh, oh, I'm really appreciating that Brooks Kepka and his mentality, it's a little bit, you know, the whole the PGA Tour event in terms of treating it like, essentially, it is just another tour event and taking his game to another level in the majors because that's what he wants to be judged on. But at the same time, if you start to dissect him even further, he's quite quiet. He doesn't. He's not adorned with multiple logos on his shirts and stuff. He's not trying to be everyone's best friend. He's not trying to do all these very visible things for the game because he likes his freedom. He's enjoying the ability to go, in the majors, I play a certain way. Other tour events, I go there. If I win or I contend, great. It might be even one of those things because I listened to back to again the um, the podcast when they interviewed Max Homer, and he talked about all the things they had to do post a win, like all through the night. Imagine if he put that focus and won six, seven times in a year. Like he's probably going, "Oh, that's great," but still not a major. Yeah. No, fair enough. That's a good uh, analysis of uh, maybe 
you know, your interpretation of, you know, the mental disposition of the Brooks, the Beast, Kepka, and, you know... Another bit, another bit, right? So you think about in the course of a year, you almost might be thinking about it, you go, you know, you go, do you know what? I've only got so many mental petrol tickets for the year, and I'm going to use them all when they when they they count the most. Think of him like a he's a swimmer. When does a sw- does a swimmer peak all year, or does a swimmer train, taper, and then go? Do you know, what? I've got two events to worry about: World Championships and the Olympics. Yeah, fair fair point. Fair point. Certainly, certainly got the physique of a <laughs> of a top level uh, sprint swimmer. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but yes. um. I'm a massive fan of Kepka, you know, partly for the reasons that you've addressed, but um, I loved when he was playing in Europe and, you know, he was this standout American guy plying his trade, maybe doing his apprenticeship, so to speak, whatever you want to call it, in in Europe. And he learned how to play those courses and he turned up week in, pretty much week in, week out for a couple of years. I, I think he was on tour yep. over there. Did reasonably Challenge tour, then European yep, tour. Did reasonably well. And I guess that's where my respect for Brooks Kepka was founded. And, um, yeah, I like the fact that he's, you know, relatively other than Nike, you know, sponsorless. You know, he uses whatever clubs that he wants. You know, he's not seeking big endorsements for that. And uh, he just goes about his business. But in terms of his play on the weekend, uh, not on the weekend, but during the week, um, it was obviously top-notch. You know, and to go to the, the last round, and now I didn't get to see a lot of the last round because I was, you know, two hours in a car at the time. But the part that I did see up in two was, I can't remember what hole it was on, maybe 11... I can't, uh, you'll, you'll know the moment intimately, but it was like one of the first drives that he'd sort of pulled left into the hay. And I was just about to leave to jump in the car for two hours, and I thought, oh, you know. That uh, looked, I think it was 11. 11, and the, uh, that, I thought that looks like that, you know, that a little bit of an under-pressure sort of armsy, you know, pull left, you know, which happens when you get a bit under the gun. Wonder what's going to happen here. And by the time I got out of two hours in the car, you uh, you know, it was just about to um, look like it was all imploding. And that was the other part that I liked in, in a sort of sadisty sort of way that he showed a human side, even more so, you know, that he does succumb to pressure because up until that point, you know, he looked like he was just a machine going through the motions and, you know, dispatching, you know, competitors at will. But he showed that he is human and he does, uh, you know, feel things like the big guys do and like I've bought a number of the big guys unstuck and uh, you know, I thought it was great that he held on so yeah that's just what I well, thought well, about that so I, where he started hitting those pulls I, I'm I, I thought about this and I started to think about like all all of his rounds etc so he talked about his second round he shot 65 this is, I can still can believe it. he shot 65. I reckon he left about five or six putts dead in the heart, like a couple of inches short. He just kind of didn't. And he took, he's reckoned he was putting great. His, his pace and everything was great, but he just left, he left at least three or four shots out there. But he talked about, so I think it was later in the round, and there was a couple of holes where he's, he was uh, blocked a few right. So, like, late in the round, he's... On 16, I think he carved one a bit right. And so he talked about, he said he was fighting a block. And so he's gone to the range straight after that round, spent some time with Claude. And then in the third round, you could see he was still fighting it, but he kind of figured out how to get around it, how how to make his way around the course fighting that block. Now... I've had that problem in a tournament and when the pressure starts to become a little bit, um, it's a bit hot in the kitchen, then what will happen is your body will start to compensate. 
So block is almost like you're feeling you get a bit stuck. So your arms might start to swing a bit faster to try and compensate. And uh, that's where he's getting, he was getting those pulls, the dead pulls, because your, your, your hands are compensating. So the re- I'm thinking back to it, and he, he's identified he's battling a block on the Friday, and he's basically spent the rest of the tournament fighting it, and it only start to, started to get to him in the middle part of his final round. But then the mark of the man is that he's just come off. He's, I think it was on he, – he's, he's had hold like a six-footer for a bogey on 14. That was the hole that he was getting heckled where everyone was chanting DJ. He stands up when he's got 15 and 16 to play, two of the longest, long, difficult par fours to go. He's the, – the diff has the dropped out at the back, and I'm thinking – I was so nervous. I'm at home and I'm, I'm – freaking out thinking this he can't lose this and he on those two holes he stood up and put two of the biggest thumping swings on a driver and absolutely smoked both of them the first one he said about 330 down the guts the next one he said about 320 down the guts and you just go there's something inside him where he's just gone i'm just gonna swing as hard as i can and let it all go like you You'd almost stand at the back of the team and just golf clap and go, oh, my God, they're amazing. They're amazing. <laughs> I guess I guess sometimes that's the that's the answer when you're trying to, you know, fashion it around, I guess, so to speak, is just to let it rip and just let it go. But uh, not that I'd know anything about any of that. But um, <laughs> what about some of the other uh, notables? So Dustin Johnson certainly had a good crack at having a um, – tilt at the title in the last day and put him under immense pressure and that was you know minus six overall minus one on the last day it was probably one of the better scores on the last day i think you know he he, he played some absolutely cracking golf uh in the final round he was he was easily heads and shoulders above everyone else so he was really dialed in it's the first time for the week he kind of got his putter going so to T to Green, he was probably matching it with Brooks, but around the greens and putter, he was quite quite ordinary, and he finally sort of started making some. But I'm pretty sure that I think after he made the birdie on 15, he absolutely just ripped one in. He smoked the drive there, hit a wedge into about two feet and rolled it in to be, I think that put him one shot behind Brooks after Brooks has bogeyed 14. I'm pretty sure DJ has looked up at the leaderboard and realised that it's a USPGA, not the Barclays, because you know the second shot that he hit on on 16, and then the, the tee shot he hit on 17. You know, you can, obviously the moment's got to him because he absolutely airmailed it on 16, at least a club too much, mm. and then he, you know, <laughs> amazing shot to nearly get it up and down. Um. And then 17 hit a terrible tee shot off there. I think there was some issues with the crowd. Um, it scraped through with a par to finish sort of two shots back. But he legitimately, if he, if he, I reckon if he parred 16, I, I really think um, that would have kept the momentum, and he potentially could have forced a playoff at at at, at the worst. Uh, so it was a bit of a missed opportunity, but uh, it's them the race. Um, actually, the person I was really proud of, and I know I've been quite hard on him for a while, was um, Jordan Spieth. You know, he, he he started out the week pretty strong, so he was um, tied for second with Adam Scott at the halfway mark. Had a bit of a battle on this on the on the Saturday and he was in the second to last group with DJ I think oh, I can't remember um, and he was hitting it really struggling that course is playing long he wasn't hitting his driver that great but you know his iron play and around the greens in his putting he really grounded out so he I think he shot one under on 
one under or even par, I think it was, for the final round. That course is playing tough. Plus one. And Plus one for a total of minus two. There we go. So that course is playing really, really tough. And you can see he was really grinding. So it's almost like he's, I don't know, he might have found something. We'll call it the jury's a little bit out. But it's the first time in a long time that when he's been thereabouts at the halfway mark, he's carried that through to the weekend. You know, Trinity Forest, he was thereabouts, fell away. Um, what was the other tournament? There was one other he was he was leading at the halfway mark and then basically blew up. So, you know, maybe, maybe Jordan's found something. Um, it's either that or maybe he's got more confidence because um, he's probably getting a bit of um, hair plants, hair, hair transplant treatment. I don't know if you notice any of that when he next time he takes his hat off, but the uh, early early balding Jordan Spieth is no more. I am not one to criticise anyone who goes, you know, for augmented look after you know suffering premature baldness. You know, I feel for them. Didn't go down that route myself, and uh, maybe you're not one to. Uh, you know, talk oh, either, oh, either rocket. Oh, yeah. I, I know I have uh, I have some uh, challenging DNA that's been inserted into my system that has predicated me from being uh, follically uh, uh, fancy free. He just joins a long list of uh, sporting stars that have gone down that route. I'll rattle off a couple that come to mind. Uh, Shane Warne, yeah, yeah. Um, Wayne Rooney. Um, yes, a little-known striker in uh, plays in Scotland for Scotland and for Glasgow Celtic. Lee Griffiths has been down that route. Graham Gooch. There you go. Many, many more. The, anyway. the original, the original Greg Matthews. Rocket. It's something that I yes. never thought that this podcast would go down. So let's just uh, <laughs> let's just end the, the hair talk now and stick to the business. <laughs> other other notables. It was great to see. Uh, Matty Wallace uh, back up and, and finish, um, you know, T3. So minus two for the he minus. Was, he actually, he, he was he was thereabouts the whole week. So I think he was, he started off the week a couple under and just sort of hung around. Had a couple of, had a couple of really nasty holes. You know, he had, he's thrown a few doubles in here and there. But the, uh, you know, the Augusta National Par 3 champion has um, – he had a really good week, especially after his implosion over um, at the British Masters you know, a couple of weeks before. So, you know, he's in some good form. Yeah, no, he's a good, he's a good player. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens with him when he gets back to Europe and, and gets under some of the big tournaments over there. Patrick Cantlay was up there. Jordan just finished um, – Tied with uh, in T three with Spieth and uh, Matt Wallace, Luke List was up there. Kang up there in uh, even T eight. Yeah. Shane Lowry, he's he's been playing fairly solidly this year. Shane Lowry, so he could be on the radar for the two tournaments that are in his home country in Ireland, being the Irish Open at La Hinch and the Open up at Royal Port um, Rush. So oh, don't rule, him out, don't rule him out of the US Open. He's he's uh he's had some sneaky appearances, like he was thereabouts at Shinnecock. Oh, was he? I'm not sure. I know he was there. He was he was um um at Oakmont. He was um, contending down to the stretch. So uh, some of the he seems to play all right in the big stuff. So I I know someone who's. You know, maybe third hand. You know, knows um, Shane from his junior golfing days back in Ireland, and can't speak highly enough of the man. I'll put that out there. And I've mentioned this on the podcast that I did with Zach Tui, who has also sort of heard the same sort of legend of the Lowry man. That he's very, very generous when he when he gets a win. And you know, has been known to shout the bar, shout the, an Irish bar that is. So and uh, you know, oh no. So I just can't wait for the day that he has a win because Ireland will go ballistic. 
if uh, I imagine if he wins the major, something like the old U.S. Open, yeah, you know, no, take it, the lid off that, take not, the lid off that bad boy and fill her up. He's certainly got the talent. I'm not sure if he'll ever, if he if he'll do that, and I hope he does. But he's certainly got the talent. But I'm just not quite sure. But he's he's been playing great this year. Um, your tip for top Aussie, well done for that. My tip for the winner was a pretty lay down was there by the by the. Uh, Tom, we did the podcast last week. <laughs> oh, there's yes. no, no, no real uh, challenge that. But Adam Scott, that was a that was a solid, solid tip. And oh, the putter! Great to see him back with some putting form, and you know, oh. going back to the the long putter, the the Scotty Cameron Futura X center shaft seems to be uh, his go. Going back to that, so yeah. I, I reckon he he should try. And make sure he hits it not inside 12 feet. <laughs> oh, he, he has to. I reckon his caddy has to start going, hey, Scotty. Lay up to 30, got, 30, no, 30, I, 30 I know, feet. I know you've got, you got nine on your hand, but can you hit it about 12 feet left of the flag on the flat stuff? Because if you hit this inside, if you hit this inside 10, you're, you're a hot chance to three stab this. His putting, like he, his putting from outside twenty feet, was amazing all week. His putting from inside six feet was, oh, I've only ever seen one person that bad inside six feet, and he was terrible. We haven't played that often, Rocket. You know, like I wasn't that bad oh, no. the time we played. No, it's it's it. <laughs> I hope no one's listening to this that knows this family. Uh, it's John Toogood, so the brother, younger brother of Peter Toogood. So that man, even in his 50s and 60s, was one of the best ball strikers you'll ever find on the planet. He was still competing at such a high level, he couldn't putt to save himself. He just, for whatever reason, he was ice cold from tee to green, and as soon as he gets on the green, it's like someone was standing behind him and shaking him. I don't know. Who, I, 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 who, is this someone that you've played against as a in an interstate or pennant or that sort of no, thing? No, it's just, just in, in Tasmania. Oh, right. So, yeah, John Toogood. So his brother, Peter Toogood, obviously uh, one British amateur and well-known well Australian amateur player. But I've watched, I've watched him four putt from four feet. Can we stop talking about this Adam, subject? Can we really stop talking about it? Because it's, it's giving me a heebie-jeebies. Adam, Adam Scott is in that realm. He's so bad. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. What would you do? You know, you're a former high-level you know, high golfer of an amateur status. Um, what would you do? It's in his head. It's in his head. It's all in his head. Okay. So what would you do? Oh, I don't know. Go see Jamie. Mm, okay. It's it's either go see Jamie or go see someone like um, Dave Pels or um, even Bads. Bads, how do you do it? Oh, just have a look, stand up, and hit it. Like he just thinks he's he's. It's like he's defeated before he even gets to it. Mm. Well, as someone who's not the greatest putter, as a two point nine GA handicapper. I feel his pain. So, oh, I've I've had the, I've had the uh, the twitches, and it is. It's all in your head. It's it because all of a sudden you start thinking about stuff, and your hands start doing all sorts of weird, all sorts of weird stuff. Mm. All right, mate. Let's not let's not let's not spook the listeners with putting twitches because it'll get into their head and we'll turn they'll turn off we're just starting to turn onto you rocket so let's not turn them off with putting jibber jabber um who, who else any other notables there uh, the the one that i that i thought performed very very admirably and another podcast guest uh, is a friend of his um we haven't had him on the podcast yet um my mate peter hackett is a friend of jazz jane wattenond uh, interesting to me was the variety of pronunciations for Jenna Watnanond over the weekend. I, I enjoyed listening to the Americans, Jane Watnanond. Um, there was a number of different variations of it, but uh, Jazz 
went really well. And, you know, whenever I saw him and I paid particular attention to him because, you know, he's a mate of my mate, Pete Hackett, um, always smiling, always looked upbeat, positive, bouncing around, um, second major, you know, he played the, the Open last year. And if he just could have held on a little bit more in that final day, it obviously got a bit tough there. You know, he was knocking on the door of maybe having a US PGA Tour card there for a moment. And, but it was. Oh, seven a, holes got him. Yeah, it was a really admirable performance for the young fella. And he looks about 16, 17. He's, I think he's, yes. a little, he's a little bit older, but, uh, oh, it, he's, um, He's he's going to be one to look out for, and if he can perform at that level on that stage, you know he can he can potentially do anything. So uh, I I really liked uh, watching him. Um, anything else? Uh, the other thing that I noticed in the results, um, I think the last the lowest score on the last round was minus one, posted by a couple of people. One particular person of note was one of maybe three or four people to shoot minus one. I think everyone else was like plus one or greater rich beam came in with a plus <laughs> a minus one on the on the last round first uh, to he, bring he, his total he was, down he was, he was he was playing when there was no wind okay well we had you know, he still he still shot the number but uh yeah plus 15 for rich beam <laughs> uh anyone else yeah, that, there, uh, was a, there was a fast difference between that morning and afternoon like um by the time that um brooks and those guys started to tee off the wind it started to get up by the time they got to their back nine, that uh, it was howling through there, and um, and yeah, unfortunately, I can't pronounce his last name. But the CBS guys just called him Jazz. Um, he just of course ejected him hard in those last seven holes because he was in a spot. If he finished tied for fourth, that would have um, given him a automatic um, exemption into the Masters. Hmm. So I was cheering. I was I was cheering that on. Other Aussies, uh, other Aussies. Jason Day was the second highest Aussie finisher, um, and then your, uh, your tip, Cam Smith, finished T sixty four. My boy Lucas Herbert made. Did you see any of that? Did you see Herbie's clutch I saw effort? The putt on eighteen. That was huge. That was huge. It's huge. It was. Uh, it was good listening. So he he put a, a tweet out that had. Uh, the different bits of video that people had sent him. So there was the video of the the coverage, and you know you can see the Pew dog, um, Nick Pew, his caddy, just being so pumped. That was great. End of the day, had to sink the putt to get in on the number. Great. Then there was the video of the crowd with uh, obviously Jamie Glazier going cocoa bananas in the uh, in the background. But then the next little bit of video was you know his mates pulled over at the side of the road in the car somewhere in the outback up near Bendigo where, where Herbie's from, just going ballistic. So uh, it was that was pretty cool to see. If you go and look at Herbie's Twitter, you'll find that link, that little video there. It was very good. Um, mate, before we uh, move on from US PGA, anything else you want to cover on that? Um, yeah, that course ejected a lot of players really hard. Like really hard. Like uh, if I look at the players that were sort of around about at the halfway mark, you had, um, you had like you had Daniel Berger. He was four under um, at the halfway mark, and he's finished with uh, seventy nine seventy nine over the weekend. Oh no, seventy eight seventy eight. I think it was. Oh, of course, ejected him hard. Then you had um, uh, the mattress, Louis Boosthausen. He was two under. Of course, spat him out, so he finished shot shot twelve over over the weekend. Um, yeah, it just course just smashed him. And then the only other thing is um, Ricky never win a major ever. I've come to that conclusion. He'll never ever win a major. It does look a bit beyond him at the moment. I, I'm not going to put him in the same basket as never win a major, but right now it's it's not looking likely in the near term. Um, you know, he, he might take a while to mature into that, but he certainly comes up on a lot of people's discussion boards about, you know, his form in the big moments. 
and the big tournaments. Can't deny his quality, talent, skill, and everything else about him, but it's certainly, you know, your call is looking more likely. I'm not going to put him under that basket because I think he will. I hope he does because he's another great ambassador for the the young people of the game that they look up to. So I'm all about oh. those guys doing that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a challenge he, for him. He's, he's, he's straight into that basket. I've, I've put him in, not even thinking about it. And 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 the reason I did that is because it's it's become it had become a bit of a running joke for a while in terms of you know Ricky's always the first to be there to congratulate someone so he's like first in line for the winner's handshake and I, I put it on Twitter and I joked and said oh wonder if Ricky will be lining up to shake Brooks's hand so they've got Brooks. And I'll put the video footage because I couldn't believe it actually happened. It was just I, I just I laughed so hard. Got Brooks, they've got the cameraman following Brooks as he's walking around one part of the clubhouse. And all of a sudden this door pops open and who sticks his head out? Ricky. Oh, oh. So Ricky's played earlier. He's shot a high round and all of a sudden he's the first person that pops his head out the door to shake hands. Oh, oh, oh. I understand he's a nice guy. He does a lot of great things. But it feels like he's trying to be everyone's friend. I know Brooks. Brooks is not a. He doesn't hang with him. He's not a buddy. And it just seems like he's trying really hard to be this good sportsmanship person. That's great. But I, I, I just don't think he. I don't think his game is. He hasn't got one bit of his game that I would say puts him in the top five players in the world, driving, iron play, wedge play, putting. He's not the top five in any of that. And then mentally, he's not in that same spot either. And then just, he's the first one to come out and congratulate people. It's like, it, it, it might be coming from a good place. That's that's all well and good. But if you look at the contrast between Brooks Kepka mentally, and his approach and focus to Ricky. Nah, Ricky is never going to win a major. If he, if he's never going to win a major, simple as that. Line through him, never win a major. Okay, well, you heard it here, people, and uh, for those of you in the United States that keep tuning in, and thank you for that. Probably not going to like that. Uh, Little piece there from Rocket, but you know that's his. That's why he's here. He's here to be controversial. He's here to pick up on the things that uh, not everyone catches. So, yeah, keep tuning in, America, because we love Ricky. I do anyway. Hey, um, actually, talk about the uh, one thing to pick up the uh, the photo of um, John Rahm relieving himself behind a tree while DJ's having his second shot. I think it's like on the fifteenth hole. Now that's some funny stuff. <laughs> European, mate. You know, European. A bit more liberal, liberal across there, mate. Just, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of country pennant. You know, some of the guys I would play with. I'm pretty sure they've they've probably smashed about four cans before they got to the course. <laughs> they've had they've had two more cans before we've teed off, and they've probably got a six pack in their golf bag, and and they they're ducking behind a tree at least once to every about. One to every two holes, guaranteed. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. It's just some funny stuff. It's funny stuff. It's uh, you, 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 there's no secrets in this uh, world anymore. And if you do anything, you are going to be, be uh, picked up on it by photo, by voice, <laughs> by recording. So there's there's no secrets out there, especially in the eyes of the PGA Tour. But anyway, <laughs> if the man's got to go. The man's got to go. Um, and uh, you know, no one, you know, just let the dude do what he wants. Hey, um, speaking of dudes, I wonder how Phil's thumbs are going. He's iced them. Oh. had to ice them. You know, he, he needed to make six or seven birdies, so that was about 15,000 thumbs up. So he had to uh, put his uh, thumbs through a, an ice bath in preparation for the last round. Didn't work. That was so funny. There's Phil. There's Phil. It's just... <laughs> How many thumbs up for the week? Oh, he's pra- he's driving and he's like exercising his thumbs while he's driving to the course. 
Oh, it's just... Oh, I wish this man found social media like 10 years ago. He's just so funny. He's so funny. No, he's an inspiration for the elder statesmen like you and I, and the... Uh gives everyone a little bit of hope that uh, later on there's always something for you but uh, it's it's great what he's doing so Phil Quando Phil Thumb Quando whatever you want to call it keep going Phil um, what's next Rocket so let's quick run down on the tournaments that are coming up which are the ones to really focus on for uh, for you so it feels weird again, you know, you think about the majors going one after the other. So the next one being the US Open at Pebble. So the runner tournaments on the US tour leading into that. Got the Charles Schwab, which is the old colonial. It's good to have a, an old classic tournament like that. Um, then we've got the Memorial at Jack's, at Jack's House. And then we have the Canadian Open as the lead-in to uh, the US Open. It's a bit odd because Canadian Open used to be the lead-in to the, to the PGA, so I think they've moved that around for the timing of the year. Um, so, yeah, those tournaments will be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm still trying to come down from my Brooks Kepka high kind of almost can't even think about who are the players to be looking out for during that stretch. Um, but actually, before I forget, if I talk about US Open, um, in about two weeks, uh, the US Women's Open is on. Now, whatever golf event is on, if it's clashing with, I think it might be the Memorial, don't watch the Memorial. Watch the US Women's Open because... It's being played at the Country Club of Charleston, which is a 1921 Seth Rayner Classic. Oh, this is this is going to be pure Seth Rayner in all its glory. Going to have all the classic holes with the Alps, the Redan, Birets, um, thumbprint on one of the holes, the punch bowl. Oh, for just purely course architecture, women playing a classic course. This is an absolute must-watch for anyone watching, or anyone watching loves golf. Anyone listening to this podcast, tune into the US Women's Open because this is going to be just awesome. We need to get back onto our uh, di- um, dissection of the uh, architecture that catches our eye. We need to do that. Um, you've spoken about some homework. Yeah, no, I, I do. I use my homework on Pete. <laughs> <laughs> on Pete Dye, you, you are 100% correct. And uh, I tell you what, it's just, you know, the behaviours that you learn as a, as a young fella just follow you through life. And me being late with my homework is uh, one of those facts of life that's just kept following me. So, yes, I'm late, teacher, and uh, I will get it to you. So, you know, maybe... So one a, other thing to add for the Women's Open... Um, and I haven't checked to see if she has qualified or if she's going to get an exemption. So uh, Maria Fassi, who just won the NCAA Women's um, Championship, college golf, so she's a senior at Uni- University of Arkansas. This girl is going to take the women's tour by storm. She is a bomber. I if you get a chance, if anyone gets a chance to go back and look at the final round of the um, the women's uh, tournament at Augusta, she's hitting it at least twenty to thirty past her uh, opponents. She is an absolute bomber, like she rips it. So, and she's quite, and she's from Mexico. She's from Mexico. So she's got a little bit of the fiery temper in there. So what's her, uh, what's her name again? Maria Fassi. How do you spell that? Uh, F-A-S-S-I. Okay. So she's she's already got a tour card, so she I didn't even know they could do this. So she's uh, went to the tour school at the end of last year. She qualified while doing school. And she's been able to defer it to finish school. Now she's, I think, 
she tur- I think she's turning pro next week, and then she's hitting the tour. All speed tour. Well, look forward to yeah. seeing a genuine bomber out there on the uh, LPGA tour. <laughs> who was the last? Who's the who's the current genuine bomber, and or who was the last big bomber on the of the ladies tour that you know was genuinely oh. past the majority of the girls? Oh, more recently, you know, I think Lexi, Lexi yeah. is one that Lexi gets it out there. She has for a long time. Um, oh, there's some girl from Europe who's quite long as well. I can picture her, but I can't remember her name. But the difference between the longest and the middle of the road is actually not a lot. But I'm telling you, this girl, she is long. She's long. Oh, guys, there there you go. Rocket has brought you, uh, for some of you, another little bit of advanced information that Maria Fassi is going to light the stage up with her length and hopefully her her gameplay. Um, Anything else there, Rocket, that we need to need to discuss? Um, I've got one thing. I've got one thing in preparation for the US open and that is a maybe not a challenge but you and i are going to play pebble beach oh yes together on the full swing golf simulator uh simulator with the best graphics and the most realistic uh golf game out there so we're going to play golf and we might video that and we might uh put that out there for people to get a little bit of a an insight into um, what playing Pebble Beach is all about. Probably many of them have already played Pebble Beach in real life. Might not happen in my I lifetime. Have. You, I have. Oh, sorry, sorry. I should have realised before I said that. Well, you, you can, <laughs> you can give us a. I didn't know that. I don't know why I forgot. You can give us a dissection or a blow by blow on on uh, Pebble Beach as we go around. So it's a bit of a podcast uh, video. We'll put that out there as a course review. Um, as we play the full swing golf simulator, if you'd like, we're just a twosome. There's there's two spots open to join the foursome. If you listen to this and you're in Melbourne and you want to come and play on the full swing golf simulator with Rocket and I as we prepare for the U.S. Open, hit us up. Two spots available. If you want to or come, it could be from the tri-states up in uh, Connecticut or up in New Jersey, New York. More than welcome to fly down. If you are making the trip to Melbourne, if you're going to be in Melbourne for some golf and you'd like to join Rocket and I, let us know. And you can come and join us and play Pebble Beach. What do you think about that? I'll probably just drop that on you without, without any notice, but uh, I, think that's a good, I think that's a good idea. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, uh, a couple of thank yous. One from me to Mrs. Rocket. Uh, I will... Look forward to getting the Scottish shortbreads that she was baking last week when she was listening to the podcast. Don't eat them all. I'm on a bit and, of a. And you know what? Yes. It was she's baking them just for you. And I can almost already taste them when I when I read that. You know, I've been on a bit of a shortbread and uh, you know sweet hiatus, and I will save up to break that hiatus when I get. Mrs. Rocket's Scottish shortbread in my hand. That will be the first thing. Maybe, that will be the maybe, first thing. Maybe the next. Maybe when I get them, we should do the podcast. We get a nice coffee, and we we crack out the shortbreads. Well, I will. I will break my sugar-free hiatus for Mrs. Rocket's shortbreads because they sound absolutely <laughs> delicious, and made with love. While she's listening to her oh, son. Oh, just one clarification: we might need to refer to her as Ma Rocket because my wife. She goes, "I'm Mrs. Rocket." Oh, jeepers, weepers! We've caused a we've caused a riff. I did think about that, uh, but uh, yeah, you're you're right. So we'll go with Ma Rocket. <laughs> oh dear. Well, thanks, thanks, Ma Rocket, for the uh, for that, and thanks for the feedback. It was really really nice to see um, you enjoying listening to your your boy, and. Um, yeah, and thank you for everyone else that was uh, tuned in and and enjoyed uh, the US PGA. Another highly highly rating, um, highly downloaded episode from you, sir. So 
that's all I've got. Have you got anything else, mate? It's uh, 50 minutes odd into this uh, rant on about a tournament that's just finished. Anything from from you? Uh, no, nothing for me. Uh, it's just been, yeah, it's been a full-on event. I'm still trying to probably sort of digest some of that and thinking about obviously the US Open further down the track. What to think about, that's for sure. Last thing for me is this might be a two-podcast week, guys, so back to the interview podcast maybe later on the week and I've got a great discussion with the general manager of Future Golf coming up. So if you aren't a golf club member and you're looking for a way to play golf with like-minded people, get a handicap and have it in an organised and structured way and play at a variety of different courses, Future Golf's going to be... Um, the Future Golf Podcast will be one that you will want to listen to. So we'll put that one out there next and um, put this one out there when the production team gets it out tomorrow. And until then, Rocket, let's um, resume some golf. I hope your back's getting better and you can get back on the course. But I'll be out there tomorrow. I'm on close. I'll be out there tomorrow, 11.38, 11.38 to, tomorrow. And my biggest decision is which set of golf clubs that I've got to take because... <laughs> I've got a choice of two at the moment, so anyway, we'll we'll see. It's the shrikson, the shrikson's or the pings tomorrow, but uh, we'll see. I think it's a shrikson kind of day. All right, mate. Good to chat. I'll catch you next time. Uh, thank you. Okay.